welcome to season two of Buzz British Book Club. I'm Kit. I'm Bridge. And today we're going to get buzzed and talk about books. Welcome back to Buzz British Book Club. I'm Kit. I'm Bridge. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. First of all, happy 2024. Happy uh, New Year. Yeah. Hopefully everyone survived the holidays and... By the oh. skin of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully Santa brought everyone some books. Lots of books. The, maybe it's because I can see your face, but the way you were saying that, it sounded very naughty. I think it was because your eyebrows went up. Uh, hopefully Santa brought you. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, what kind of naughty Santa sliding down everybody's chimneys, eh? Sliding down the <laughs> chimney. Oh my God. <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, because you know lives and all that and um, we have we have a whole bunch of books that we read that we don't necessarily read together and a lot of them that I've read um, have been just amazing and there there are there's not enough time to cover every book with an episode unfortunately uh between us definitely so i we, we had this idea that maybe we could do a sort of uh i don't know brief summary of some of the amazing books that we've been reading lately um, oh my god sorry to interrupt but last night when you know i couldn't sleep because i never can i was thinking about this like what we would call it and uh I was thinking buzzed British bookshelf. Ooh. What do you think? I love that. Okay, well, because I assume we're going to do this again, so this can be our bookshelf episode. I love that. Welcome to the Buzz (laughs) British bookshelf, everyone. Today we're talking about some of our favorite books that we've been reading uh, that we haven't been reading together and uh, we're just reading these on our own time. Like I said, it's not enough time to cover double the books. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the gist. Does that make any sense? Am I rambling? I mean, you're rambling a wee bit, but it makes sense. Basically, <laughs> we didn't want to pass over books we're reading on our own um, because we've been reading pretty tremendous books. And if you're like Kit and I, you're kind of reading constantly, be it... Um, on an audiobook or an actual physical book or an ebook. So uh, we thought this would be a way to generate more content for you guys um, and be a little bit more efficient, I guess. Before we jump into the books, we want to talk about what we're drinking today. Oh, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> you so, go first. Okay. Um, I think we both opted for coffee items. And on my way home from work, I stopped by Trellis Coffee which, you know, shout out to them. They opened this adorable shop. There's like two seconds from my house. It's like a refurbished, I think, car repair shop that has these really cool like garage doors, like 1960s style. And this place is popping. People are there all the time. They've got 
lovely social media presence. Their marketing is top class. Um, in addition to that, their coffee is actually really good. So I got one of their signature drinks. It's called Salted Caramel, and it's got espresso, milk, caramel, and then like black flake salt on top of it. And it what was that? amazing. I didn't know. You know, it sounded sexy. It tasted sexy. Holy mother of Troy, how big is that <laughs> coffee mug that you just drank out of? <laughs> holy shit okay we need to take a a a screenshot of that for socials so on that note uh my cup my my cup is huge um (laughs) it is the size of my face i don't remember when i got this mug i think my husband got this for me uh it's a friend's mug from uh it's got central perk on it you know and uh, I am drinking a chai tea latte today. So um, I got this really awesome teapot brewer thing off of TikTok shop. And um, it's this really elegant thing. You put the tea in the top and then you, you know, put the water in there. And then down at the bottom, there's this little like magnetic marble that's like, there's, and there's another magnet and a handle and you push the little pot handle to the thing and the tea comes down. Anyway, it's really cool. And then uh, we got a, a new espresso machine for, I guess, an early anniversary present or something like that. We'll call it that. And um, so I, I foamed some milk and threw that in there and and it comes out just the right size every time. <laughs> Giant, Perfect. big as your face. <laughs> Perfect for this coffee mug. So that's what I'm drinking, and it is delicious. I'm in love with it. So that's awesome. What have you been reading lately, Bridge? So I am a big fan of Libby, the app. And I use it to listen to audiobooks constantly, which if you haven't uh, heard about Libby, your life is about to change. Uh, it basically, you connect your library card to it and you get access to a ton of digital content via the app, meaning like ebooks and audiobooks. Um, it functions just like a library card in that it is free. Um, and also there's no chance of returning things late because the app just takes whatever it is back the date it's due unless you choose to extend it so it's amazing and I just go on there constantly and just sort like audiobooks based on what what's immediately available and I was scrolling through and found this one book called the things we leave unfinished and it's a romance and I didn't recognize the author's name however i'm sure our readers will it's rebecca yaros who wrote the fourth wing and you know the latest which is iron wing or something like that that uh you know was like all the rage recently so yeah it's it's a romance and i have to say i loved it i really did it started off hella cheesy which <laughs> you know gives me the ick i'm not a romance person that enjoys that and it was like this letter 
somebody in a British accent, incidentally, professing their love to someone and, you know, undying devotion and all that garbage. Right off the bat. (laughs) Right off the bat. Wow. All that trollop. And I was about to just stop listening right then and there, but I'm glad that I stuck with it because it was really good. So what is your synopsis? So I didn't write it down. We're, we're going to see if I can do this just off the top of my head. Seat of your pants, go. Yeah, seat of my trousers. Trousers! <laughs> <laughs> this woman, Georgia, has just gotten divorced from her movie director husband, and moves back to Colorado to manage her, her great-grandmother's estate. The great-grandmother was a prolific romance author and kind of iconic, and it turns out there was a manuscript of hers that she left unfinished, and they're looking at hiring a prominent author who can finish the story for her. For her, for her great grandmother, and it's, there's a lot of complications to it. But basically, like the author they hire is this man, and he's very it's popular. A man. It's a man author, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm. And he's like hella fit and hella tattooed, which is interesting. And you know, sexy McSexerton, basically. So you, you know, it's kind of obvious, like they're gonna fall in love, whatever. But what's also interesting is. They're discovering that the unfinished manuscript is the true story of how her great-grandmother fell in love with her husband and what happens. And he basically chooses to write two endings to the story. That's hilarious. I know. There's so (laughs) many, like, little writer's things throughout it that I thought was really interesting because... So, pause right there, listeners. So... Bridge is writing a romance novel of her own (laughs) and she has gone back and forth with this idea of having two endings because she wants the ending that she wants but she knows readers are probably gonna hate it so she I'm bitter (laughs) so she wants the ending that readers wants want too and so this this is hilarious that you stumbled on a book where he writes two different endings i I know that sounds like providence that sounds like the universe is telling you you need to write two endings it's It's okay telling me something no uh, ultimately i think it's telling me what to do but you know i'm bitter angry and want to write a devastating ending to the book Mm -hmm. and the main character of this book georgia is similar in that she's like i just want a realistic ending hello that's me that's and then (laughs) and then noah the the main guy is like we should give these two characters the ending they deserve and he wants a happier ending there's a bunch of twists and turns along the way um not all related to the romance but just the family history which is really good and i just liked how their relationship was built on them really like they're wildly attracted to each other but also like they support each other and fight for each other and understand elements of mental health and there's never a time where they belittle each other there's no manipulation not really it's you know like a lot of times you read romance and there's like, like these darker elements that are sort of hollywoodified 
into being romantic that are not in any way acceptable in real life. So there wasn't a lot of that, which I really, I really respected about how she characterized their relationship. So yeah, that's, that's my synopsis. I don't want to go too much further into it because I don't want to give away some of the surprise twists and turns, but highly recommend this book. Nice. So what's your favorite quote from the book? Okay, well, I looked some up earlier today, and they all sound very cheesy. (laughs) So I'm just going to go with one that I actually thought was really well crafted. It is a bit long. Tragedy has a way of breaking gentle things and soldering the shattered pieces together in a way we can't control. Some it remakes into stronger, more resilient creatures. In others, the pieces fuse before they heal, leaving only razor-sharp edges. I can offer you no other explanation or excuse for the way she's cut you over the years. Ooh, how intriguing. Yeah. Quite a nicely written couple of lines, but that's characterizing the main character's relationship with her mother. And her mother is still alive in the book? Or her mother? Yeah. Okay. There's a whole thing with her mother, but there's all these layers to it. I didn't want to get too deep in the weeds with that, but her her relationship with her mother is troublesome. So that's where that quote comes from. So what are some of your favorite tropes or what are some of the tropes in this book? I should ask. The tropes are like, there's things you always see in romance where it's like they meet each other without knowing who each other is. Okay. They criticize the person that they're talking about they criticize them openly to their face without realizing that the person they're talking to is the person they're criticizing so that's how these two characters meet is in a bookshop where the main character georgia is talking shit about noah the author without realizing she's speaking to noah and noah is this author's book suck (laughs) yeah (laughs) And then Noah's criticizing Georgia's great-grandmother without realizing he's talking to Georgia. So Georgia goes to her hometown bookshop because she just needs some, you know, soothing moments, which I think a lot of us can relate to, like going Mm -hmm. to a bookshop just to feel better about the world. And she likes to go and look at her great-grandmother's books on the shelf. (sighs) And she's reading some favorite lines or something like that. Just feeling good about feeling connected with her great grandmother. And then Noah happens to be in that aisle because I guess his his books are there too. And he happens to be in town because he's there to meet to talk about taking on the manuscript for the unfinished book. But he's looking at his own books and then they just engage with each other because they happen to be on the same aisle. Hmm. I don't know if I explained that well, but that's no, kind no, of how no, it happened. Okay, I like that. Yeah. So what, what other kind of tropes are there? Or are there anymore? Uh, well, it's the sort of enemies to lovers trope a little bit, but they, it's not based on like negativity. It, they kind of work things out and then have some time where they're actually like together enjoying each other's company, which I like. Um, and then um, trying to think what else. There were a lot of others. I felt like, in romance, it's often like, you know, there's something that ultimately drives the couple apart, right? To create <laughs> this climax. Um, and generally, it's left to the woman to just sit around 
and wait for the man to show up and make a grand gesture and profess his undying love and all that crap. And there isn't that. It's like a little bit more mutual. Okay. And it's not like saying I love you makes everything okay, which is another thing I hate is like, I treated you like shit, but I love you. I know. So it's yeah. okay. And it's like, no, you're teaching people the complete wrong thing. Yeah. So I, I liked that. It is a little tropey. All romance is a little tropey. You know, happy endings are kind of tropey. But that's, <laughs> that's the way it goes. And so as long as it's like the least cliche version of that, and I believe that the character's you know, would make those decisions to get there, I can get behind it. And I kind of like that you're tracking two storylines. You're tracking Noah and Georgia, the modern day couple. And then you're tracking Georgia's great grandmother and her storyline and how she fell in love with Jameson, her husband. And it's Do they during... have POVs? Yeah. Oh. And it's during World War Two, so it's very romantic and dramatic. And there's British accents on the audiobook, so you love that. Um, so it's kind of like this shift in tonality where, you know, you read um, period-based pieces and it feels dramatic. It feels old-fashioned. It feels like mm -hmm. those emotions with kind of a different color than they would be in modern day. So it's a little bit more of a shift in tone of like old-fashioned, um, dramatic, you know, just a little bit cheesy but appropriate for that time and then the modern day which is a little bit more grounded and less like we're all gonna die because England's being bombed every night so you know there's less of that tension it's more like the modern day nuances so I liked it because you got a little bit of both of those worlds nice that's really cool that that the grandmother had a POV I like that a lot so there are four POVs in the story yes okay and the the cover of the book look like less you know you can tell the difference between like a big wildly publicized book and then like you know a mm -hmm. more low-key maybe indie or just low-key book and so the cover felt a little bit low-key and I was like what is this you know sometimes you connect quality of the cover with quality of the writing which isn't always fair it's not always fair, but it's what everyone does. <laughs> yeah, true. Truly, I mean, they tell you don't judge a book by its cover, and what do we? Everyone all do? does. Same everyone thing. does. Yeah. So, but anyway, I was like, let me get a, give it a whirl. I mean, it's free, you know, on Libby, so I might as well. Yeah. And then I got into it, and then by the end, I was like, oh my god, this is really good. So I'm I'm glad I stuck with it. It does sound really interesting. Like it does I, sound like something I. I would probably enjoy a lot yeah I think you would and just a little <clears throat> bit of like the writer like inside baseball of of writing is there which is kind of fun so yeah I think you should why should people read this book or I guess like who's the audience for this book maybe I mean I think it it really is for everyone although the reality is it's mostly women reading romance books what's the spice level um it's pretty spicy i would say on a scale of one to ten although this might make me sound rather prudish but maybe a seven six a seven 
Okay. There's definitely sex scenes described. There's definitely certain organs described. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not graphic by any means. It's not, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey weird, but uh, it is a adult content. So maybe six, six and a half. Okay. So probably along the same lines as Fourth Wing, because apparently that one had a lot of spice and everybody went wild, nuts yeah. over it. Yeah, um, and the main character is 28. I felt like, and maybe this is me pushing my own agenda, but I felt like she could have been older and it would have worked better because mm. they were kind of positioning her as like divorced, jaded, you know, bitter, whatever. And I'm like, 28 feels young to have all of that on your shoulders, but not entirely realistic if she got ma- married in college. So Anyway, um, so yeah, I, w- I would say give it a whirl. Anyone I would recommend this book to. Um, if you're, you're kind of interested in some historical fiction elements, very much like character-driven romance, give it a whirl. Should we shift over to you then? I read a book called Making Friends with Monsters by Sandra L. Rostirola. Um Say that three times fast. I know. Uh, I actually met this author at the ALA conference last year um, and learned about this book and decided to buy it because it's gotten wild reviews. Um, It's gotten like the Book Life editor's pick, Forward gave it five stars, Kirkus gave it a star, Indie Reader gave it five stars midwest book review gave it a glowing review it's just gotten like glowing review after glowing review so i was like okay what is this book about um this is an indie author uh which also drew me to it because i love reading indie author books i myself am an indie author so this is actually marketed as a middle grade book okay um which initially turned me off because i was like i don't really want to read middle grade but so many people were saying this is a good book so I was like okay so I I did and I read it and oh my gosh I'm so glad I did this is not just for middle grade people I would say this is a book for everyone who has dealt with mental health okay so a brief synopsis 12-year-old Sam lives with his family on a farm in Australia. Um, They are going through a drought. Water is limited. Their money is limited. Food and grain and things for their animals is limited because of this drought. Um, And their family is under a lot of stress. Um, It starts with Sam's brother, just being a total shithead he is just an asshole i guess as as most as as a lot of teenage boys are you know they're just you teenagers know. period well yes yeah you're right you're right anyway sam starts to i guess conceptualize this aggression and this behavior as my brother has a monster living inside of him And so he decides that he's going to learn more about monsters because if he can learn about monsters, perhaps he can figure out how to 
save his brother from this monster. So he starts writing down facts about monsters. And so the whole book goes through Sam's, you know, figuring all these things out. And just one thing after another happens. This is a very dark book. Um, The family is very dysfunctional. It's not just this brother. Um, They are all at each other's throats a lot because of all the stress. He's involved in a really severe accident where he loses his arm. After that, he realizes he he starts to get a monster too. Mm. And so he starts to learn more about his monster, not just his brother's monster. So throughout the whole book, he is encountering situations and he's behaving in ways and he's, you know, seeing other people behave in certain ways. And he's compiling all these facts about monsters. <clears throat> so at the by the end of the book, um, and we actually learn why the brother was being such a douchebag, which, you know, and, and a bunch of other stuff happens. It's just, I wanted to throw this book out the window so many times because I was just, like every, I was just so devastated. Like, ah. How does this stuff keep happening to this poor child? Like, oh my God. And it's supposed to be middle grade? It is. So so here's the thing. I don't think this book is for any middle grade child. There are some things in here that I think could be traumatizing for them to read. However, if they are dealing with depression, which so many young people are, I think it's perfect for them. You can't, age, depression doesn't care about age. It doesn't care. A 10 year old could be depressed and, you know, have suicidal thoughts and be dealing with, you know, aggression and whatever um, and hardship. Depression doesn't care. And this is a book that I really believe they would benefit from, from reading that. Now, a perfectly content, happy child that's 10 years old no <laughs> i think this would be very hard for them to read is um, what this might be a dumb question but what is middle grade like is it middle school age let's google it middle grade this is 8 to 12 8 to 12 okay well the main character is 12 there's some really dark things and some really hard things that sam goes through but and and so this is one of the things that's really hard about this book because cuz some of these things I was just like, wow, I don't know if I would want my kid reading some of these things. At the same time, I feel like that's the mistake a lot of parents make by assuming their child isn't ready for such complex things and complicated Mm -hmm. topics like mental health. And the reality is, is often that child is dealing with hard things. Because the parent has this idea in their head, like, oh, no, my child's happy. They're, they're not dealing with anything. They're fine. You know, they'll they'll experience that at an older age or, or whatever. But like I said, depression doesn't care how old you are. So I kind of had to check myself on this because I was like, this is not a middle grade book. <laughs> Sam is going through some stuff. I mean, he gets his arm chopped off in a piece of farm equipment. And it is just, it is brutal. And just his anger and his just heartache after it and there's other things that happen too there is one suicide that happens in the book Jeez. and 
some other things that suggest suicide was imminent. There, there, yes, like I said, there's some th- there's some stuff in here. I don't know. If, I don't think I'm selling this book. <laughs> I, I mean, you're selling me on how intense an experience it was to read it, and that speaks to the quality of the writing. Oh, the writing is phenomenal. I was hooked. I was engrossed. So there, yeah, like dealing with all these hard things, the way she writes it and the way she breaks it down in the context of monsters. I'll just read you some of the facts that Sam discovers about monsters. And this is why I think everyone who has had problems with their mental health or has um, struggled with their mental health should read this book. Well, really, once you hit a certain age, anyone should read it because even if you are blessed not to experience any mental health issues, most of the world is. I agree. Good to have that context. I absolutely agree. Okay, so the first monster fact is most people don't know they exist. The second one is if we let them get too hungry, they can swallow us whole. Number three is they keep us locked in our own little world blind to the reality that we are worrying others Hmm. fact number four when it comes to age they don't discriminate fact number five they can turn on you at a moment's notice Mm. number six they have a knack for ruining what should have been a perfectly fun moment number seven their actions have a domino effect eight we all have one the key is to not wake them up so anyways, the, he goes through, I think, 26, 26. And so he learns, I guess this is my favorite quote, is sort of like the, the end of it. He says, some people live in complete harmony with their monster. To look at, these people seem so even keeled. It's almost like their monster prefers hanging out in its cage to stomping around in search of a thrill. On the downside, not all monsters are obvious. We're talking about mental health. Sometimes the quieter they are, the more damage they're doing. Mm. The trick is to be in tune with them. And the only way to do this is to accept you have one. Meaning it's okay to be sad or nervous or shy or scared or angry or any of the hundreds of ways of being most of us would rather not be. What's problematic is when we allow our monster to control our feelings for too long. If we don't get a handle on this, then bad things can happen, and not just to ourselves. We can hurt others without even realizing it. So, yeah, I just, I I devoured this book in a day, and... How how long is it? It is uh, 281 pages. Hmm. Phenomenal book, and the foreword was also really exceptional. She wrote a foreword um explaining her own uh history of mental health um Mm. and uh family suicides that prompted her to write this book and you know explore this topic more and uh yeah it's just really good it is really really good it's dark it's there's some heavy themes in here for anyone who's ever wanted to understand their own mental health better i this is like a textbook 
honestly. It's really good. It's just really good. I'm going to tell my therapist about it. Yeah. This afternoon when I go to my therapy appointment. <laughs> yeah, um, you should. I will, because I think she works with children as well. Really? Um, yeah, but anyways, um, you've you've read some quotes already, but do you have some favorite quotes? I think that one was definitely my favorite. Just, just the summary of it. I I could read this whole list of monster facts, but it might get a little. The episode might get a little long. Yeah, it's just so good. Isn't that the truth? I really like just from what you've read how well she translates these concepts into this metaphor of the monsters that feels authentic to that character and that age like how they would process those things yeah and the story complements all of those so uh, the list that i was reading from is the culmination of him writing this over the course of the story Mm. so everything that triggers these facts you know it's something that you read about in the story so you get a direct example of why that fact came to be um which you know that not every example is going to be exactly like that but it's it's a good place to see it and understand it and be like oh yeah huh never thought about it that way before but that's totally accurate um i was just i was really blown away by it it's it sounds rather impressive i'm always impressed by authors who similar to like how we were complimenting all the light we cannot see and how well it's structured without yeah. feeling like structured at all. Um, and just the idea of like breaking it down into these facts and then having the content of each chapter kind of support that fact. That's, that's pretty cool and really hard, I would imagine. Does it have any tropes in it? Honestly, I couldn't really think think of any i think um not a lot of tropes it sounds like to do with the story like that yeah and given that it is quote unquote middle grade which you know i both agree and disagree with depending on the experiences of the individual person i yeah there's not really any like friends to lovers or anything like that i i will read the trigger warning list because I feel like a sort of I mean, just uh, based on what you've said already, I think I think we got a good sense of triggers. <laughs> yeah, just see. like graphic accident, suicide, suicidal ideation, mental health, suicide, and family dysfunction. It's interesting you mentioned that. I haven't seen a trigger warning in a book yet. So. <laughs> There is a, uh, there's a lot of controversy surrounding trigger warnings and I really appreciate them when they're there, but there are some people who think that it ruins the story or it spoils the story or something stupid like that. And I, I don't, I, I disagree. Mm -hmm. I don't think saying this book contains a suicide is spoiling anything. Uh, You know, if I have a history of suicide in my family and i'm not ready to you know experience that again um even if it is a fictional character then you know that book's not for me and i don't want to relive something you know what i mean so i i i fully appreciate when authors include trigger warnings or content warnings unfortunately i don't think a lot of big publishers are doing it um there are some small publishers doing it there are some small publishers 
definitely not doing it. But uh, a lot of indie authors are doing it, especially when their books contain uh, troubling themes. Um, I would say especially if they contain troubling themes because they're in there on purpose, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, when this first came to my attention a while ago, I think you and I had this discussion. And I think I was on the side of it kind of ruins the story because you don't want to be given away that plot point. But as I've reflected on that recently and then just through my own process of engaging and trying to do more writing and working with beta readers and stuff like that, I'm like... Ultimately, you want the experience to be consensual, right? Right. You don't, you don't want to draw someone in and then surprise them with a troubling theme. So I think for me, ultimately, the value of trigger warnings in this context won out. But I also like how, shocker, I like how LeVar Burton did something because, you know, I'm obsessed with that man. <laughs> but for his... <laughs> his podcast he starts off with just saying there's a trigger warning in the description and it's mm -hmm. there if you if you want it yeah. so you have the option of like going into this sort of blind and just having a uninfluenced experience of you know with with the art with the short story but you're also protected from troubling themes if you choose to to look at the trigger warning in the description so i liked the option there because you know, there's going to be people that prefer it one way or another and it's nice to to give them both yeah so the small press that i edit for um on occasion bridget's gate press shout out bridget's gate um they have a, a page at the beginning of their books that say um trigger warnings are listed at the end of the book mm. so you can flip back to the end and see the list of trigger warnings i like can. that yeah that's kind um, of perfect because you have to like you can't stumble across it accidentally before you've read the book right yeah Un unless you're you know i don't know you like to read the end of the book first or something i will <laughs> never understand those people don't talk to me i, I don't <laughs> want to be a friend no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm sure there are reasons <laughs> i'm sure there are but um yeah so anyway so that's all i had um I do happen to know that this author is on TikTok and I think she does have a Kofi shop. So if you're interested in a signed author copy of this book, you can purchase direct from the author or you can buy it on bookshop.org or barnesandnoble.com or Amazon or anywhere, everywhere you buy books, you can um, get this book. And I would also say to request it uh, at your local library and have them purchase a copy for the library that always mm. helps out indie authors is going to your li local library and asking for you know whatever indie author book that is and then they'll you know they'll get it for you um and, ha and have it at the library for everyone so little libraries are amazing so they are support support your local library and uh so you got your book from Libby. I am going to go off on a limb here and say that you can probably get that book anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> yeah. If it's Rebecca Yarrow's, <laughs> you can get that book everywhere. But you either get it through Libby if you've got a library card. If you don't have a library card, get one because, you know, your life might change. Mm -hmm. um, or do bookshop.org 
don't do Amazon. We we want to support authors, of course, but we don't want to necessarily support Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Ultimately, that's between you and your maker, but um, highly uh, recommend buying it through bookshop.org or a local bookshop if you can instead. Yeah, I love bookshop.org. You know, their prices are always cheaper than everywhere else. The thing about bookshop is you 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 do pay for shipping. But mm. the actual price of the book is almost always cheaper than everywhere else. And I don't know yeah. how they do it because a certain number of amount of the proceeds goes to support local bookstores. Yeah. So I don't know how they do it, but I I love them for it. So Yeah, and I don't remember waiting very long. I mean, we're all spoiled with instant gratification. We expect everything to show up on our doorstep the next day from when we order it. But um but yeah, when we ordered, I think I ordered the Gilda stories through mm-hmm. the bookshop.org and um, and it didn't take very long to come to me. So I got a couple more minutes. Do you want to just talk about what we're doing with our lives briefly before we wrap up? Sure, um, you start. So as far as writing goes, um, I've started submitting short stories again, which I had taken a break for almost a oh, year. Yay. And so fingers crossed i've had some of these short stories which because of kit's support and tutelage through our writers group i was churning out short stories like nobody's business for a while um and i i submitted them to mostly online publications and you know kept getting rejections 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 and then last year you know kind of took a break so i submitted two short stories this year just waiting to hear back and then of course as kit mentioned my biggest project is what i'm calling the first season which is essentially a romance having to do with soccer i think i mentioned it on on a previous episode and it's around eighty-two thousand words if that means anything to anybody um and the first draft, that's impressive <laughs> the first i think that's 300 and something pages and you wrote all of that in like two months or something wild well not quite two months but um since i started it in august and essentially had it mostly done by december so i'm putting some finishing touches on it and my goal is to submit it to two beta readers just to get some initial feedback and then kind of take their feedback, make some edits, maybe submit to a few more beta readers, take their edits. And then once I get it to a certain point, engage the lovely Kit here in her editorial services and then see what happens. But the plan is for it to be uh, a two book series. So the first season and then Shaka, the second book would be called the second season. So (laughs) I love that. It's so catchy. (laughs) So that, that's the latest in terms of my writing dreams and aspirations. What about you, Kit? Well, I don't have anything that amazing to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I'm working on the sequel of Epic of Alinthia. And um, I've got about 34,000 words written. It's coming along slower than I wanted just because I... I don't know. I can't seem to start it where I want. So I've had to rewrite it multiple times, rewrite multiple chapters multiple times. But I think I finally found my groove. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that it starts to flow 
not better. I, I know everything that happens. It's just setting it up. And I'm selling author copies of the first book in my Ko-Fi shop. And I also have a new and improved Writer's Muse focus deck, which mm. is a, a deck of cards with 54 questions for novel writers. And all of the questions pertain to uh, developing a multi-dimensional story with characters and side characters and world building and all of that. If you answer all these questions, you got a whole lot of your story already figured out. You just got to write it. <laughs> yeah, you got the whole world, the whole probably plot and the whole sort of background and foundation for the story there once you figure all that out. So it's it's I've used it before, not the new and improved version, but the OG version, and it's incredibly helpful in kind of broadening your perspective to think beyond what maybe your limited perspective on the plot would be when you traditionally start writing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so I came up with the questions um, during the critique meetings. It seemed to be a pattern what everyone was wanting in a story. So I came up with questions for writers to be able to answer those questions in the story, to know to answer those questions in the story, and, and etc. So the new and improved is the same. It's the same questions as before, but the cards look much prettier now. Mm. Yeah, they, they look really, really pretty. And I just got my box in. I've got 50 decks. Ooh. And they are available in my cookbook shop. Bring it to our writer's retreat pop-up on oh, Sunday. Yeah. I should I bring some. I want to see them. Okay, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, with those cool writer's people that go hang out at a coffee shop on Sunday and, you know, casually write our novels and we're very, I don't know, intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> Living the writer's dream, right? <laughs> Sitting right. in a coffee shop, typing away. <laughs> Uh, it would be a dream if I didn't have to go to, you know, my real jobs. I know. But... I think that pretty much wraps up everything. Um... Yeah. Well, I guess to our listeners, if you're still out there, tell us if you like this format. Um, We'll do more episodes like this because me and Kit be, be churning through these books, yo. Been hitting the books hard, mm -hmm. and I've got so many more indie books lined up. I'm so excited. Ooh. I want to borrow the book that you talked about today. Oh, Was yes, making, making friends with monsters, making friends with monsters. Yes, you absolutely can borrow it. So that's it, everyone. Catch you next time. Buzz off. <laughs> <laughs> We've forgotten. That's yeah, what we say, isn't it? <laughs> we do we say buzz off, mates. Buzz off, mates. Follow us on Twitter at BuzzedBritCast. And you can follow us on Instagram at BuzzedBritBookClub. And email at BuzzedBritBookClub at gmail.com.